Hello you lovely lot. I'm back and I am so excited to share some amazing stories with you for the second half of this series. First off though, I've got to check how you all are doing. Oh my goodness, what a crazy time we have found ourselves in. It's been a bit intense, hasn't it? But I hope you're well and I hope you know that there are a lot of people out there who can support us, especially if you're struggling a little bit with this time. It really is okay to reach out and ask for help and there are a load of resources over on the Melspo website that can point you in the right direction for that. So yeah, the podcast is back. I have just about recovered from my move. So it's really nice to be back and working and sharing some of these stories with you. But before we get started, I need to tell you about the Royal British Legion who sponsor this series. The Royal British Legion knows that COVID-19 has had a devastating impact on people all across the country, including those in this armed forces community, but they're here to help. Whether it's for a bit of financial support from their expert advisors or navigating the benefit system so that you and your family get what you're entitled to, they've got your back. Just pop over to the website to see more. It's www.britishlegion.org.uk. Thanks again to the Royal British Legion for sponsoring this whole series. Without their support, I just couldn't do it and I wouldn't be able to bring these amazing stories. So I really appreciate what they have done. So now I'm going to share with you the interview with the lovely Jess. Yes, there are two of us, but you shouldn't get too confused, I promise. She has had some amazing adventures that we can all learn an awful lot from. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Jess. How are you today? Hi, Jess. I'm good, thanks. (laughs) Now, this interview is going to be a bit weird for both of us. Not so much because we (laughs) happen to both be called Jess which is also very confusing but because you are my next door neighbor which means you are quite literally sitting in exactly the same place but next door (laughs) we're in lockdown which is making this doing this over the internet slightly easier but it is a little bit weird I'm not going to tell a lie however lovely to see you and spend time with you you too Um, so you have this amazing story that we're going to talk about soon But before we get stuck in, could you introduce yourself a little bit um, and tell us about your military connection? Sure. So, yeah, my name is Jessica. I am married to Chris, who's in the Navy, and I'm neighbours with Jess, as Jess said. I actually work in um, the pharmaceutical industry and um, I grew up in Hong Kong. I was born in London, but I grew up most of my life in Hong Kong. Yeah, that's a bit about me. And you're a bit of an adventurer. I think the, the nine months that we spent next door neighbours to each other, I've got to know you a little bit. I've got to find out more about you. And you are quite an adventurer. You do lots of things. But today we're talking about your diving. How did you get into diving in the first place? So as I said, I grew up in Hong Kong and we were very lucky to be near lots of beautiful islands. And um, uh, when I grew up, we would do family holidays to the Philippines and just go to different islands around the Philippines um, because it was really easy from Hong Kong. Um, And I guess when I was about 12, we went to Boracay, which is a tiny tropical island in the Philippines and did my paddy course, which is, you know, your open water divers certification. And we did it over five days. Um, And yeah, from then on, 
I've just been diving every time we go on holiday and I did my advanced course and my nitrox course, which basically means you can stay underwater for longer um, to see cool things. Um, so yeah, I haven't got as far as kind of rescue diver and instructor, but, um, yeah, I loved it. I mean, now I've got a bit, a little boy, a two, two year old boy and another one on the way. So I haven't done much diving for a while. <laughs> but I know you and I know you'll get back to it because that's who you are. So I'm going to take you back to 2013 where you had an incredible experience whilst diving. It's going to blow your mind. Could you tell us about that and what happened? Yeah, sure. So yeah, in 2013, I was still living in Hong Kong and me and my friend decided to go on what they call the dive safari, which is basically was a 10 day dive holiday on a liverboard boat around different islands in the Philippines. So we started on the island of Cebu and then went round lots of different islands and stayed on those islands and um, went to lots of different dive sites. It was beautiful weather. We were, I guess, maybe half the way through the dive safari and I had like bad ears. Sometimes when you're diving, when you're equalizing, when you go down, sometimes ears can play up. So I had quite sore ears from doing so many dives every day. So I um, would, had had a little bit of a break. And in this particular dive that I'm going to tell you about, I was kind of introducing myself back into the diving. So I was being a bit more careful. So the main instructor who was with us said, okay, I'll go down with you on a, and we'll go down on our own. And the rest of the guys will go down separately. So I went down with this, this guy and we did like a karma dive, took a bit longer to go down. And it was the most beautiful dive site um, by an island called Bohol. Just imagine picture book, coral reef, beautiful fish, clear, clear water that day just lovely um and so yeah we were just enjoying it really and then um we heard this like rumble and I guess at first I just thought it was a boat you know the propeller of a boat coming over and then it like started getting louder and louder and more and more intense so then I was like I remember looking at my instructor and he had like quite wide eyes looking back at me and I thought maybe it's like a massive boat <laughs> coming towards us, like an oil tanker or something, because it was so, it was getting so loud, but we couldn't see anything. And then I started thinking, and then it got louder and louder and louder and more and more intense to the point that I can't even describe it because the vibrations and the noise and the experience uh, was just like nothing I've ever experienced and never have experienced again. But it was very, all I can say, it was like so intense. It, it froze us to the spot of where we were diving. And then I thought, I remember thinking, maybe we're being bombed. Like maybe there, this is what dynamite fishing is. Maybe there are fishermen actually bombing the reef because the, the reef was kind of, um, sand was going up in plumes and everything was kind of being moved around and shuffled around and we just didn't know what was going on and then it got so intense that um we just held hands and looked at each other and I remember just thinking well I can't I can't do anything about this I've no idea what this is like I was it wasn't like I was in a panic it was just almost quite calm like there's nothing I can do <laughs> whatever's going on is going on. It wasn't like, let's run away or swim away in this case. Um, and then, yeah, I guess what broke it was that 
I think a turtle swam past really, really fast and they usually just really, really chilled and keep their distance. And then I believe the vibration stopped at that point and I guess we were taken out of our like frozen state to kind of look around. There were like cracks along the, the floor. Like I said, things were being sucked, like sand was being sucked under. But once it stopped, it stopped. It was just like nothing had happened. And we were just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then we started looking for the others because we were like, what, you know, we still didn't know what had happened. So we thought, what about the others that, you know, so we swam around the reef like a couple of times looking for them. And then we finally found them and we had to do a slow, um, uh, slowly coming back up out of the water. You can't go like, you can't shoot up from like 25 meters down or else it will hurt your lungs and, um, yeah, you could get quite sick. So we had to equalize on the way back up as well. And so you can imagine we all wanted to talk to each other and we were all like, can we get out the water now? But we had to spend like five minutes, like slowly going up. Yeah. And then when we all popped our heads out, just ripped off our regulators and what the hell is that? Um, yeah, got on the boat and soon through calls from the island, we're told that there'd been a eight on the Richter scale earthquake just under the island of Bohol where we had been diving and like a lot of Bohol was devastated quite sad like historical structures and statues and old churches and stuff had been completely demolished um people's homes but um generally I don't I don't believe there are any deaths or anything so it wasn't like it was it was quite lucky in that way and then weirdly we continued diving that day (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so eight on the Richter scale is massive so to put it into perspective the 2015 Nepal earthquake it was a similar magnitude this is a massive earthquake and you found yourself underwater not knowing what's happening and not so so I would the first thing I would do is probably panic and swim up to to get away which would be disastrous so much self-control to be able to do that well I mean gosh what did you think did you think this was it the end I mean was there panic so there's this fight or flight and some people just stay still what did you feel yeah I think uh, it I felt calmer than I perhaps would have been on land like so I can compare it to and so there were a series of aftershocks for the next few days so smaller earthquakes and it was our last night in 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 Cebu we were staying in a big building so we were on like the fifth floor in a hotel and in the middle of the night there was an earth like an aftershock and I definitely <laughs> fleed like I just remember my friend was like what are you doing I like jumped out of bed grabbed my passport didn't even have my contact lenses in was like we're going like I just was completely panicked and ran down the fire escape to try and get out of this building so I was in complete panic mode at that point however when I was underwater and it was all happening it was just so intense and so quick and so unlike anything that I've ever experienced an out of body almost that there wasn't time or space in my brain to panic honestly. I listened to a really interesting podcast that you did uh, with Tin with Tim Hinman um, about how sound is different underwater and I wonder if that has something to do with it because my first inclination would be with panic to scream or to shout or to you know to voice it and I was just it was really interesting that that the sound was so different so I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more about that and how that yeah I think maybe you're right maybe like you said the sound was so different and it was 
the sound with the vibration. So the two things were one. So it was very loud, but it was like in your bones, like the vibrations of it, like the intensity of it. So it felt quite alien. And I, I guess different to something like thunder, which maybe you could compare it to. So maybe, maybe because it was so out of body and surreal, it meant that, yeah, um, I reacted differently. But you survived, which I think, um, gosh, is just, I don't know how you got through that. I really don't know how, how your brain could compute. And um, you, you st- still dive crazily. You still go diving. Um, but um, it's not been your only experience of diving. You were chatting to me about this uh, tsunami that we all know about, the very famous tsunami, that you were also on a diving holiday. Because obviously it was Christmas. You said you were there with your family. I mean, there's probably nobody in the world who has experienced these kinds of things. And I think it's fascinating. But you were there that when the tsunami hit. And I was wondering if you could yeah, tell us about that in the same way that you told us about the earthquake. Yeah, I mean, it is really weird that I've been in two earthquakes whilst scuba diving. I mean, that is bizarre. But yeah, I mean, the tsunami experience, I wasn't actually underwater. I was on the boat with my kit on. So it was a different experience to what I've tried to explain and probably failed miserably of being actually underwater in it. Um, But I'm glad I wasn't underwater in that tsunami because it was it was much bigger and obviously much more devastating. But yeah, we just really, the the story of that is, is kind of what happened around the earthquake rather than experiencing it itself, even though I was by PP Island and Krabi, which are parts of Thailand that were huge, hugely affected by the, by the earthquake. But yeah, I was on a boat, on a dive boat on, a, on Boxing Day, because it happened on Boxing Day, without my family because they had stomach bug maybe from Christmas day food and so I was not with them and yeah the boat just started moving and we were in the middle of the ocean we were about to go for the dive and it just started moving on on its own and that was the water surge following the earthquake if you see what I mean you didn't hear anything you literally there wasn't waves or anything at this point just the boat moving without the engine quite quickly and we just thought why are we moving when we're about to go for a dive and um slowly quite slowly it unraveled that something had happened in that area so we were going to go and try and dive in another area nearer Kopp, which was the one of the islands that was devastated and as we got closer to Kopp, we saw the devastation of the island water like walls of water crashing against the island boats going round in circles. It was bizarre. We still didn't really know what was going on. And then the story kept unraveling. You know, we could still talk on the phone, mobile phone, thank goodness. So I was able to talk to my parents and say, I'm okay. They were able to talk to me and say they were okay. But yeah, I mean, the dive shop that we just put our stuff in in the morning was completely gone. Where we'd had Christmas dinner the night before was gone. So yeah, it was just so weird. And What's even weirder, I guess, because you'd probably think, oh, I'm not going to go on holiday with Jess. But I have survived both of these things. <laughs> and in the tsunami, I really made like a split decision before I went on that dive trip. Because because as I say, my family weren't well and decided not to come. I was like, oh, I don't think I'll go either. I think I'll just go and read on the beach. 
So I was going to take a little boat to a secluded beach nearby, um, which called Riley Beach, which got completely ruined. And I almost certainly would have been killed if I'd made that decision. But instead, I just decided, come on, Jess, do something different, be an adventurer, get out on the water. And that saved my life. Gosh, I can't. So I've never experienced anything. I'm probably a bit boring, actually. It's probably the reality. But I've never experienced anything where I've almost died, quite frankly. I just want to sort of explore this a little bit to see if it's changed your life at all. So you're, you're, <laughs> you're sat in a boat in the middle of the ocean. And so I'm imagining, because the, the pictures we saw on Boxing Day and the days after back in the UK was this massive wave that had come in and taken out all of these islands. So you're sat in a boat. Is there a wave there? Do you miss the wave completely? How does that work? I mean, is there a time on the boat where you thought you might die? There was. I can't, like my memory of it is is a bit weird and I, I can't really explain it logically, but I'll tell you how I remember it. Um, at one point we were, again, just kind of learning all of these, this story was unraveling because it happened in the morning on Boxing Day. So we were, we'd kind of, um, yeah, we were working our way past Co-PP um, on the boats with the engine on. And then I heard one of the captains of the boat shouting, there's a wave coming, everyone get inside. Because we were all on the roof at, the, at that time. Um, and I remember looking out to the horizon and just seeing a white wall of wave coming towards us. And they were like, it's a second wave, it's a second wave. And um, we'd just been eating pineapples on the roof. So I was like, oh my gosh. And so then all I remember is everyone just just listening to the captain and going inside. And I remember, you know, as I adhered to the rules, um, thinking, I don't really want to be inside a boat if I'm going to, if a wave's going to come over me. But, you know, you do what you're told in these situations. And again, it was so surreal that I was scared, but it was almost, it was definitely, um, I was frozen in my spot, just watching it all unravel. And uh, basically the reason why there was a wave coming towards us in the middle of the sea, which doesn't really make sense, is that it was breaking over shallower water in front of us. So there was like a, a shallower piece of water. So when it reached us, it was just like churning. The water was just churned up. So we didn't capsize. We were fine. It was just like we were in uh, whirlpools. Of That was what it was like. The water was all whirlpools and churned up. Um, and then, yeah, and then they were like, if there's a third wave, we need to shelter. So we just sheltered between two islands until about five o'clock that evening kind of waiting and not knowing what was going on. And did you have contact with your family at this point? Yeah, I had spoken to them on the phone, luckily, on mobile phone. Good, because that was the, the main, that was coming out over here, was that there were lots of people that had, had just disappeared. Um, and that was, yeah, it was pretty... Well, I can imagine my parents in between talking to me, like finding out, obviously they experienced on land, so it's very different for them. They like fell out their beds, you know, it was like... It was a, it was insane on land, the intensity. So they were properly scared before they were able to get in touch with me. Um, and yeah, my parents that later that day, some their room neighbours came up like covered in blood because they'd been standing on the wall of the of the town and kind of seen it all happening but they'd been back a bit and a, and a motorbike had smashed them in the smashed one of the guys up so he was covered in blood and 
had to go to hospital. So it was very bizarre for them, I think, because they were up on a hill. They were like hearing all these stories after they'd felt it. So they knew that you were okay and you're sat on this boat uh, waiting for, I guess, the end or to make sure that everything's safe. You arrive back on land, you jump off the boat and it must be complete chaos. Yeah, it was total chaos. And we couldn't like jump off the boat because of all the water displacement. So we had to like pretty much swim back to land and there were, yeah, I just remember there being ambulances everywhere, lots and lots of debris in the water and a lot of tourists trying to help. So everyone was trying to help, um, running into the water, try, swimming up to us to try and help us because they didn't know that we weren't hurt. So it was, yeah, it was an amazing solidarity as well in, in people being helpful. And yeah, when I, I remember going back to the hotel and seeing families just crying in front of their their long tail boats which were basically their livelihood I guess that were all snapped in half and had gone so um they were that to see the locals reaction was really heartbreaking as well so that was the the first day how long did you stay there for I think I can't remember we either flew back the day after or the day after that we were lucky because we were our holiday was I think we were like on our last day so some people were stuck there for a while but we didn't have electricity for the time that we were there and it was quite hard to get in touch with people um so we were ended up on like a missing list in the UK a friend of mine who lives in Thailand had reported it she couldn't get through to me we managed to fly back but the airport was like carnage absolute carnage like people panicked desperate yeah really really injured it was really scary being in the airport to be honest and what was your overarching sort of memory of that day and what happened? What is it? Is there anything that keeps that, that? I don't know if it's positive. I don't know if we can say positive and think come out of it like that. Honestly, I feel like it. Sh- and I this sound. I hope this doesn't sound bad. But the day itself didn't really affect me. It should have affected me more, but it it just didn't for some reason. And when I got back to Hong Kong, I was waiting for like the shock to hit kick in. But I think because I didn't actually get injured or didn't actually have any moment where, you know, life or death that I could comprehend, I, it didn't really affect me. What I guess affected me more was reading about it afterwards and reading about people's lives who were lost. And like I said, the the locals and what that meant for their life and all of that. But I think my mum had more shock post the holiday than I did. Yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a strange person in that small things stress me out a lot. But when a big thing happens, I'm, a, I'm better at dealing with it. It's very weird. And the choice to go on the boat diving rather than go on the beach and read, does, that ever, does it ever enter your brain at all? Is it like that sliding doors moment? Yeah, I just, I, I just feel like so grateful that I made that decision and... Yeah, I almost, I guess I don't even let myself live out what it would have, what would have happened if I'd, if I'd read, you know, stayed and read my book on the beach. It's a really weird one. I'm grateful to my brother's two friends who were also on the trip with us that I didn't mention because I think they swayed me to go on the boat with them because they continued on the dive trip, even though my family were not well. If they hadn't been like, come on, Jess, 
then you know so I can kind of I'm very grateful to them and so here's the 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 weird question obviously we're here because we we both married somebody in the armed forces um and military life is very sort of um it's a challenge military life is a challenge and I'm wondering if you ever have this sort of feeling that because you've got through this tough time or you've experienced this sort of not near death is I can't think of a better word but because you've experienced this terrible time whether it helps you at all with facing military life and operations and things like that I mean I don't know the answer but I can guess that it perhaps makes me better at handling it when Chris is on tour um, and he's in dangerous places I have the same kind of level of calm that I did have in these two situations, even when I'm reading the news and I know or can assume he's involved. It's just, yeah, I can deal with that. What I'm not good at dealing with, like I said, is small life things like my child crying all night, my newborn child crying all night and keeping me awake, or I don't know, just silly things that, that, that that causes me way more angst than these than these big things which is really bizarre and I don't know why <laughs> it's the keep calm and carry on thing I, I imagine that, that it's just too it's just too big to maybe contemplate and I find that with my military yeah life. I think so yeah I think so whereas you know I'll get annoyed if Chris is out late and hasn't told me he's gone out for drinks like that will stress me out more than like <laughs> Like him going on tour and me having to deal. <laughs> Which has got to be the best way to do it, because otherwise, gosh, could you imagine if we actually worried about them when they were away? We'd never get anything done. Now, yeah, I think the question that everybody is probably asking on the tip of their tongues is, I was going to ask you if you, went, if you had gone diving again, but you definitely have. Why? How on earth can you even get in the water after all of these experiences? I guess I think the likelihood of another earthquake happening to Jessica is very, very slim. And I almost feel more invincible going diving now in in terms of another earthquake happening. I am quite a cautious diver though. Um, I'm not like, let's go 40 meters down on a drift dive. I, I quite like just a calm diving experience. So yeah, I. I it hasn't scared me to actually dive and I'm looking forward to the next time you do so I can do another podcast interview and find out what on earth you've experienced there was an earthquake (laughs) another something else oh Jess it's been so lovely to talk to you today um you are my fab neighbor and I it's just lovely to have a little bit of sort of one-on-one time in this crazy lockdown time so thank you very much for coming to talk to me and sharing these ridiculously crazy experiences um I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for letting me relive these experiences because <laughs> I haven't thought about them for a while. And yeah, it's been great. Thank you. I think it is safe to say that Jess has had one or two quite frankly crazy experiences and I for one will not be rushing to go on a holiday with her um, and I know as a pal she won't mind me saying that too much but again a massive thanks to Jess for sharing that incredible story um, I think it's really important that we share different stories from this military community 
Because it's not all about running your own business or doing some epic challenges. Sometimes it's just about listening to stories of people who have been through some tough times, similar to the ones that we're going through at the moment, and seeing the positive side and knowing that there is an end to it. So that's why I wanted to share this episode. I think it's quite an important one and an interesting one. So that is it for today. I really hope you've enjoyed it. Another thanks to Jess and of course the Royal British Legion. I will be back next week with another inspiring episode. So I shall see you then.